All right. Hi, folks. Welcome to Dink and Dunk, a sports podcast named after Matt and Nagy's playbook from guys who kind of know sports, but will act like you're wrong if, you know, we ever have different opinions. Big episode. We're here to give you some snackable 15 to 20 minute sports bits to listen to on that commute from your bed to your living room with mostly Chicago sports centric content. I'm Jim. And I'm John. This podcast is brought to you by Highbrow Lowbrow. And odds are, if you're listening to this podcast, you already know about them. If not, though, give them a peek on Instagram at highbrow underscore lowbrow underscore. So, as is tradition, second podcast. Let's do it. Chicago Sports Roundup. Big news. Big news. It's been two weeks. There's been a draft, John. I'm, I'm, the high is still there. The no. Two weeks feels like two minutes. <laughs> I'm glad because it's been a while. And no, folks, we're not talking about an army draft. We're talking about the Bears draft. Hell yeah. Uh, so, we'll start with the obvious. Justin Fields, how are we feeling? He, you know... I, I'm ready to get hurt again. I'm just, I'm, I'm there. I'm, you know, thinking to myself, this is, I don't know if I was quite felt like this with Mitch Trubisky. Like, I, I mean, time, you know, heals all, but Justin Fields, I'm like, okay, like 10 years, like realist, 10, 15 years, five Super Bowls. That's pretty realistic, right? First Bears fan. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we get I our mean, hopes up as high as we can, right? He runs like a four, three forty. He can chuck the ball like 60 yards on a dime. Like, what else do you need? I don't know. All I'm saying is the bar is set pretty low by Mitch. I mean, uh, hopes were high. And Justin Fields, I, I've tried really hard not to get my hopes up, but where it's too late. I mean, it, it, it does concern me that 10 other teams said they're not very good. And here comes Ryan Pace saying, <laughs> this, this, is my, this is my star. This is my, the future of the franchise. And I'm like... Oof, like this, this guy again, but if, if but you, you know what? Whatever. Like I'm, I'm ready to get hurt again. It's it's kind of like a, it's an obligation as a Bears fan to just kind of take it. It did I not say last what two weeks ago? I said I really hope Ryan Pace doesn't just draft a quarterback and extend his time at the Bears. And this is exactly what. But I'll stop. But I, no, we're. I mean, I'm happy. Like is the guy. Like <laughs> it was. If it was Mac Jones, we'd be sitting here. Like okay, like we're gonna the bears will be back in 2035 see you in 14 years <laughs> that's yeah you know okay we have something to be hyped about justin fields you want to talk about the next guy who i think should have went first round tevin jenkins oh this guy's mean that's all uh, I, I saw the espn notification <laughs> this this guy's mean he's mean he's mean wait, wait that's what the whole notification said. <laughs> yeah, it's a, this guy's mean yeah it said tevin jenkins he's mean yeah <laughs> he mean uh basically a huge need for the bears offensive tackle uh, he the reason he was mad was because he was he thought he was a first round pick, regardless. So, I thought I thought that was fitting for the song, but you know, Timo <laughs> Jenkins. I think uh, that's got to stick. Um, so yeah, offensive tackle, we're we're big on him. Uh, third guy, we we got Adam in there. His name is Larry Boram or Borum or Larry Boram. Larry Boram. Uh, biggest biggest thing about this guy that I love is he went to Mizzou. So you know, Mizzou alum. He's giant. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't say I I like to watch the guys block in college. Um, but you know, the highlights they like to show Tevin Jenkins blocking him into a sideline, and everyone's like, "Yep, he's yep. good." Yeah. So. so another offensive tackle any advice out there to college linemen if you block someone to a sideline once you'll probably get drafted you're in all right anything else on the bears are we good i'm excited i don't know we'll see i mean bears hype's back it's it's good i'm, I'm happy um yeah that's all i got all right let's go on to uh, another great team the white Sox. uh just swept the royals 
Yeah, they. Uh, I don't know. They're pr- they're pretty fun to watch. Like I I turned them on for like an hour last night and they scored eight runs in an inning and then I was like, that's all you really do, could ask for in watching a baseball do, game, right? Do you think they do you think they have a guy that's like, oh shit, like John just turned on the White Sox game, yeah. guys, we gotta yeah, get some runs the in there. Off. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it's kind of sad because they're giant swaggy, you know, Latino guys. Jimenez and Robert aren't playing, but you get to see these rookies like, um, um, you know, Vaughn and. Mercedes get to play every day now, yeah. so it's kind of exciting. But if if, if if there's a they're like one injury away from like being very average, I think so. It's kind of scary. Yeah, I mean they they're finding ways to get it done, and I mean they have the highest run differential in the league at plus fifty three. Uh, to put it in perspective, I think Cubs are like minus twenty or minus ten or something. So um, yeah, what do you, I mean, Larusa, right? Like. He's got to go. It's I think at he's some go. point this season. Right? The man's botched a couple rules. Yeah. So as much as you know, the Sox are doing good, but like they they should they should have a few more. His wins. job is to know the rules, and he didn't and know to him. put his position in the team to take advantage of these rules, right? Yeah, I just picture. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like imagine like your grandpa kind of just sitting on a couch and like, hey, you know, John's grandpa, you want to come out here and co- coach my coach my baseball team? Yeah, and that's Tony Larusa right now. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, I don't know the price is right, on. Like, I hate these 1 p.m. games. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, you know, we, we talked about already the Cubs. We have to give credit where credit's due. They're kind of back. Yeah, I don't – they, um, they still have, like, that core that's pretty good, and they show up sometimes. I, I just don't know if it's here to stay or what, but – I don't – I don't think so, but we, you know, give credit where credits do. Yeah, Chris Bryant's good. Like, Kimbrel, Kimbrel looks good. He looks like he's on. He was on Boston. He was really good. He looks like good old Boston. Yeah, Craig still looks Kimbrel. like a doofus when he's out there yeah, doing this. You know, I mean, yeah. Bobby Jenks looks like a doofus, yeah. but he was really good. Yeah, I mean, when you're playing baseball as a kid, and some kid was doing that when he was ten years old, you're like, who is this douche? Come on, yeah. I don't know if Bobby Jenkins looked like a doofus. He was just massive and scary. He, he had like the colored goatee at one okay. point. All right. That's, that's <laughs> very was, valid. All right. I, I'm I, a big man. It looked, it looked I think he was just bailing hay listening to like Limp Biscuit in the off season. You know, I don't I think I don't think he lifted a weight in his life. Living the dream. Um Yeah, so that's kind of the Chicago baseball. It's it's actually on the up and up since we talked two weeks ago. Um what's not on the up and up it sort of is the bulls they've mm-hmm. lost, they won three straight but their their season's really uh it's pretty much over tonight if the pacers beat the worst team in the league so um i got really excited when vooch we traded for vooch and then they didn't do anything at all and i don't know maybe i shouldn't ever get excited about the bulls until you know they even invented Adam Silver invented a new playoff for the Bulls pretty much to get in and get Chicago fans excited and we couldn't even get into that. I I mean, it's the Bulls, right? It's we either finish bottom of the playoffs, so you know, meaning we get like one of the last seeds or we're just right out, we don't get a good draft pick and we just do the same thing every year. So, yeah. you know, maybe something changes. Maybe we should probably just lose one season. I do. I just want so badly for that like one playoff game we get where we at least make it. And then I get to watch like a one, like it's an elimination game. It'd be fun to watch, but um, I don't know. They, they, they won't even get that to us, but I did see how bad Obi Toppin is this year. And, and I at least give uh, our tourists credit there that we didn't 
take a 22 year old that isn't even good as a 22 year old patrick williams at least has three years to suck before they're like okay this guy sucks you know i, I think we learned our lesson not from that he ben sucks he's fine but yeah um all right good on the bulls I think we'll just we'll touch on the blackhawks really quick so they actually just got knocked out of the playoffs um i know a couple weeks ago it was actually looking okay but uh, I think just kind of regression to the mean caught up with them. But, you know, outlook for the rest of the year or off season. Rookies look good, especially Jack Hagel and uh, their goalie, Lankinen. Uh I saw some news that Taves is hopeful he'll play next year. We'll see how far that goes. And then uh, Brent Seabrook and Shaw's salaries are going to go off the books. So that opens up cap space for the Hawks, which is good for us because it just means we can sign a couple more players if we need to. Um, still love the Hawks, though. That's all I got for them, though. Are they letting people in? They're letting people into the United Center these days, right? Yeah, they just they yesterday was the first game when yeah. they they actually beat Dallas. That's of course, exciting. But uh, right, things are looking up. Yeah. All right. Well, on to our segment of the day. It's going to be a little baseball historical. <laughs> Nailed, um, it. Nailed it. The story of uh, the Black Sox, essentially. So. Kind of doing a deep dive into, uh, you know, Shoeless Joe and the Boys, 1919, um, over on the south side, Comiskey. Let's, you know, let's get into it. Let's let's see what uh, let's see what actually happened, and just look through a uh, uh, 2021 lens of uh, of uh, I guess it's 102 year anniversary. So yeah, I mean, I would, get, honor it. I was excited for this. I mean, I I mean, aside from being a Sox fan, growing up, I would. I just knew of the Black Sox. Black Sox is like, oh, they're the team that just cheated. And I never really knew exactly what they did. Kind of learned a bit more about it. But, you know, kind of after diving into more of this, I was I, I was sucked in. So I, kind of, I think I spent too much time looking at this. <laughs> I actually looked at my bookshelf today. Did you ever read those Shoeless Joe and Me and Onus and Me and all those books growing up? <laughs> Were those the ones with, like, the trading cards? Yeah, and they, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yes, I did. So there's a throwback. Um that's right. when I learned that Honus Wagner, like rookie card, is worth like $2 million or more. I shouldn't have thrown that away. Yeah, you shouldn't have. Wait, what? So. <laughs> All right, just going to skip that over. Okay. Uh, so to set the stage, 1917. Uh, so the White Sox are a really good team. So they won the World Series in 1917. Uh, they were still competitive in 1918. We go to 1919. They pretty much have the same core guys, uh, and they're heavily, heavily favored to win this World Series against the Cincinnati Reds. Lock of the century. I don't even know how you went about betting in 1919. Was there literally just a guy in the corner that was like, "Hey, 100 bucks on the socks," and I, there was like, I, you know, he put, put took his trench coat out and said, "Yeah, here you I, go." I just imagine I come I've back next like, Saturday or I'll kill you. I think I've seen like two episodes of Peaky Blinders, and I imagine some dude with an Irish accent's like, "Hey, what's your money on?" And then you know, <laughs> if you don't, he has some friends that'll beat you up if you don't pay him, and it's probably wrong. It's, I just feel like it's so easy to get away with things. There's no cell phones, there's no, no. cameras, and somehow these guys still got caught. So I don't. I, I mean, what's to stop me from betting? ten thousand dollars back then which is a lot now and just oh lost my bet just gonna skip town to somewhere else (laughs) take a horse somewhere just move to iowa and no one will find me ever again it's probably not even like uh they probably don't have houses there yet at that point (laughs) (laughs) the oregon trail out to iowa um so yeah they were like they were heavily favored basically like all the bookies were like okay let's let's make some money on this you know it's like it's like placing money on a 
one seed to beat a 16 seed, mm-hmm. right? On the, on the Sox versus the Reds. And uh, turns out Comiskey, like everyone likes to, um, everyone likes to be like, yeah, like U.S. Cellular or now it's called the guaranteed guaranteed rate. Like we should change it back to Comiskey. After like diving into this story, that dude was such a scumbag. Yeah. Like he wouldn't even pay for the laundry of the Sox, and they were just like walk out there dirty every game. That's they called them the Black Sox before they even cheated. So it's like, what's this? What's this guy's oh. deal? So they were so they were the Black Sox because they're the, just because they wore dirty clothes. <laughs> so I should probably just call myself the Black Sox because yeah. I just wear dirty clothes. Yeah, too. and he he told professional baseball players that he wouldn't wash their jerseys that that they had to wash them on their own. And the funny thing is, is especially back then, I mean, there were no like endorsement deals or anything like that. So you base, I mean, ticket sales were everything, and the the White Sox of 1917, you know, 1918, 1919 had like the highest turnout as far as crowds go. So Comiskey was making. He's making more than almost anyone else as a commissioner, not commissioner, owner. Yeah, I mean, I feel like 1919 was like an all-time, like, period in history to be a scumbag. Like, no one can record you. You can just like take advantage of people, and they have no freaking clue. They're just trying to like put some spam on the table, whatever it might yeah. be. Um, yeah. So he, like, they he basically just screwed over all these players. He used to pay them like the equivalent of like 50 grand for like winning the World Series. And then just cut it in like eighty percent before the series, and then all these basically the, he's he's the reason he caused all this is because they were just like, yo, I just got my pay cut eighty percent, I'm I'm about to win the World Series, like screw this guy, like let's right. let's go make some money. Yeah, so there's it was literally up until nineteen eighteen, if if a team made it to the World Series, <laughs> if it's if a team made it to the World Series, the the money that they got from the fans attending the games, 50% was set aside for the players to split. And more of that went to the winning team. So Comiskey said basically after that, and I think it was in the entire MLB, they said, nope, you guys are just going to get $1,000 each now. And He's I'm like, pretty sure. Fuck y'all, I want an F1. <laughs> <laughs> so he drove his pickup truck and just told them to <laughs> screw off. Yeah. No, I, yeah. And so, I, I mean, I don't blame these guys. There's eight guys involved, right? Like these guys' nicknames are just like, I feel like you, if you didn't have a nickname in 1919, like you were just a, a freaking loser. Like Arnold Chick Gandal, Eddie Knuckles, Sakati, Oscar Happy Felsch, Trueless Joe Jackson, George Buck Weaver. Like it's like, it's like there's one guy named Fred McMullen who is actually the biggest scumbag of them all. That according Fred, to Wikipedia does not have a, a, a nickname. So that this makes a lot of sense. Fred McMullen is my is my favorite person in all of this, and we'll we'll, we'll get to that. But let's. Uh, I guess we're we're pretty much done setting the stage. I think a weird a weird fact is I don't know if they always did this, but the the series was best of best of nine. Yeah, which is insane. It's a lot of baseball. It's too much baseball. Yeah, so best of nine series, White Sox versus Reds. White Sox heavily favored. We start to kind of get closer to this series happening, and people start to see these huge bets come in on the Reds to win the series. The line kind of shrinks a little bit, and people are like, "Well, what's going on?" And at that point. You know, the public can kind of see it and everyone else that doesn't know. And they kind of start thinking, well, why is this happening? So that there was some people were starting to think like, oh, maybe, you know, something fishy's going on here. And that's kind of where we get into the actual to the beginning of it with uh, Arnold Chick Gandal, who is the ringleader and also just a known heavy gambler for the for the White Sox. I feel like you have to gamble a lot at that time in order to have like a reputation as a gambler where like 
there's really no way for people to talk to each other other than word of mouth. Like, I don't even think you could, like, you people were telegramming people back then. You couldn't call, like, your buddy and be like, that Arnold dude, he's uh, <laughs> he's got a real problem. I, yeah, again, I, he must have just... He must have just been shelling out money, like night in and night out on things. It makes you wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically, I mean, the mob was involved in this somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like not been proven. Like nothing has been proven to this day, really. We'll get to that. But um, basically, like the way that it makes it sound is like they sucked at like cheating, basically. Like they would just like be up like four runs in the middle of a game and then all of a sudden like they just like bean four batters in a row and like score some runs and it'd just be like like come on like these these guys there, there's there's a pretty easy way to do this they made it, it yeah like, talk they to buffalo wild wings <laughs> they got to hit the sprinkler button uh so basically they they organize they organize this to go on they secure a bribe with a dude named Joey sullivan so basically around 100 grand but split between these eight players which is over 500 grand current day Whatever they hold this meeting, they agree. Shoeless Joe Jackson is not there. That's that's a key point. Um, so they all agree to that. We get into the series. Uh, uh, here we are. Fred McMullen, my favorite player of all of this. Uh, so he actually they didn't even want him in there. Uh, he was the least significant player on the White Sox in general. But he overheard the other Black Sox kind of discussing this plan, and he's like, "Hey, like I want in." If you don't include me, I'm going to tell on you. It's like your annoying eight-year-old brother. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's just We're like... We're going to light up some bottle rockets. <laughs> and 10-year-old... is like a 10-year-old. And so they're like, oh, well, okay, I guess. All right, Fred, come on in. You can you can help us throw the game and sit on the bench. So that's what that guy did. Hope he's happy. He's a clown. <laughs> um, let's see. So that happens. I mean... John, as you were saying, like they were really bad at throwing games. I'm pretty sure the first game, that pitcher, uh, I don't know, what was he, the knuckleball guy? Uh, yeah, he invented the knuckleball. Eddie Knuckles. Makes sense. His nickname <laughs> was Knuckles. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, Knuckles. So the dude, the first pitch of the game, he just he uh, the the Reds' best batter comes up. He hits him with a ball. He just beans him. He set the stage. That's it. This Everyone's like, "Are field. you kidding me?" It's an alpha move. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they lose. Um, they lose the first game, right? And then, like, they go back to, like, these shady bookies, and they're like, hey, where's my money? Like, they're expecting every game. The bookie's like, no, you don't get your money till you lose the entire series. And they were like, I don't know how they didn't short this out beforehand, but apparently they were really pissed. So, Because initially it was supposed to be they were supposed to get X amount of money per game. And then the first game happened, and they said, "Oh no, like we'll get it to you next time." And the second game happened, they gave him like ten grand, which is not—it doesn't equal up. And I think what these these uh, mobsters or whatever did was turns out maybe not the best guys. No, and they probably were like, "Well, the White Sox are going to lose automatically, so we'll just pay them from those winnings." And they didn't tell anyone that. So the so what happened then when the Sox weren't getting paid? They the Sox were basically just like. You know what? Fuck it. We're just gonna go off in the second half. So they lost. They lost. What? They were down one or three one, right? Yep. And they're just like, fuck it. We'll just go off in the second half. And then they just started winning games to show the bookies, like, screw you. I guess I don't know. Like, and like, if they actually won the series, they'd probably all get killed or something. I yeah. don't know. Like, it didn't seem like the best idea to <laughs> no. me. And it was it was comical. Like, you could apparently just multiple reports are saying you can tell 
the Sox tried a little bit and they just were significant they were just way better than the Reds and everyone's like what's going on like these weren't the White Sox that we just watched and uh you know so I think they made the series it was 4-3 yeah and then nine game series nine game series uh one of the dudes lefty Williams who was a pitcher someone someone I guess came to visit him the night before I no one knows like exactly what happened either they like said hey we'll pay you actually or they said hey we'll we'll break your kneecaps if you don't hey. A lefty. Gabagool. Gabagool. So, lo and behold, next game, the Sox come out. They lose 10-5. That's the series. Reds chalk it up. They weren't going to screw that one up. I mean, honestly, like, these guys, like, were – it's not like they were making buku bucks. Like, this is probably – there was more than, like, they made in their salaries. Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, like, why fault these guys? Hate hate Comiskey, not not these guys. Is is kind of my, my moral <laughs> I mean, of if, the story. If your after owner's bad, this. if your owner's bad, just cheat. That's that's kind of what it's kind of what we're getting at here. Yeah, and then so like basically the Sox lose. Everyone was like, it's like losing to a sixteen to one. Like the odds were insane. Um, and then there's like some baseball writer that like is all like PO'd because apparently like there's baseball like. They were throwing games a lot, like even prior to the World Series. So he was like, he wanted this, some huge investigation into like all of baseball, including the World Series. Like, there's no way this should happen. Which, like, you, I feel like you can get away with a lot in 1919. Um, so, the, so they, so there's, there's things people are, people are throwing games just you know one by one slowly. It doesn't get till, of course, the Phillies take on the Chicago Cubs. And that game was also that game ended up being fixed, and they actually had concrete evidence. So the Cubs, in a way, screwed the White Sox. Um, nice. So that happens again. That that happens. That starts the investigation. They nailed the Cubs. They said, "Well, wait a second. Let's go back here and check these other ones." Went to the Black Sox. One uh, dude, his name was Billy Maharg. He was he, right Screw away. Screw you, Billy. Right away, he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we did it. That that was us." And so that kind of spiraled. Other people started confessing. Um, what a maharg move! Yeah. So maharg. Yeah, I mean the fallout all of all this is like they have this this trial in Illinois, right? And all these eight players like wrote like these personal testimonies that were to be read at like this, you know, in court. And um, the uh, classic cook county like illinois they lose the (laughs) freaking testimonies of these players as like the it's supposed to be like the damning piece of evidence that was it i don't know if like it was that easy for some guy to be like hey i'll pay you 20 bucks to just go and shred those up so like i don't get caught i'm assuming it's run pretty similarly to (laughs) it now so i'm sure that's all it took yeah and so like they they lost all those and so like they all had to come individually and like verbally do it and like (laughs) they paint shoeless joe jackson as like this really like simple farm boy and like he was just like they were antagonizing him and like he like was just like some kid from like louisiana or something and he wasn't even really involved but they basically like it was like classic like movie in court like they're basically like, you were involved and he's like sure okay <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, like yeah, no. don't hurt me yeah <laughs> i'm just want to play baseball again oh, okay yeah yeah i played i played the baseball um, good. so yeah so the jury's out is whether joe was was ever even really involved but he's third best batting average in baseball of all time yeah. And he's really just got caught up. He's wrong place, wrong time. Uh, it's And it, that, I think that's the other thing is like it, it kind of revolves around him, but no one really knows what actually happened with him. And it's because he was one of the best players ever in baseball. But like no one can confirm or deny 
how big of a part he played or didn't play in the whole scandal. Yeah, I mean, they, they ended up banning every all eight players, and um, I don't know. I mean, to me, it's just all, it's all you know, greedy Comiskey's fault. Like, you, cut, you, don't, you don't cut these guys' compensation. Like, they're probably not cheating, right? Yeah. Um, well, I think I think that kind of wraps it up for that. If, if you had to put the, the Black Sox scandal in a, in a five-word sentence, what would it be? Um, I don't know. I mean, red reds, reds, uh, 10,000 on the reds. <laughs> there you have it. 10,000 reds, 10,000 on the reds. 10,000 is two words. Could be. Yeah. 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 Send it. What about you? Five words, five words. Shoeless Joe Jackson is innocent. Uh, or say it ain't so Joe. How yeah. about that? All right. That's yeah, It's a lot easier when you have a couple seconds. To think about <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> That's all we have today, folks. Join us next time for some more questionable takes on Chicago sports. If any of this doinked your goalpost, then please like and subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And also check us out on Highbrow Lowbrow. Thanks for listening. This has been a Highbrow Lowbrow Podcast. Make sure to check us out at highbrow-lowbrow.com. And as always, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Highbrow Lowbrow. All brows welcome. How long is that, 30 minutes?